Have you dreamed about opening a boutique since childhood? Maybe you have a store, but now you're ready to expand. Well, guess what? You're in exactly the place where you're meant to be. Welcome to the Boost Your Boutique Podcast, hosted by Emily Benson, retail boutique consultant, best-selling author, and a motivational speaker. In this podcast, you'll learn how to manage your boutique better, have balance in your life, and learn from experts who care. So whether you've been in the business for decades or you're just getting started, it's important to get help from someone who's been there and someone who's going to coach you along the way. So head over to BoostYourBoutique.com to learn more today. And now, here's Emily. Let's talk about why boutiques are failing and why boutiques are succeeding. What is the biggest difference? I am really excited to talk about this, especially because I just finished reading an article in Women's Wear Daily about how a major retailer that I used to work for is actually changing their store around to look more like a boutique. I see so many boutiques failing left and right, and I know that it's not the owner. Let me, let me say that again. I know it's not the owner. I know that women who open boutiques love boutiques and they love clothes and they love helping women. Those are one thing that join all of us who have owned boutiques, who do own boutiques. So listen, if your boutique is not doing well, well, I've got a lot of tips for that, but if your boutique is not doing well, it's not you. First and foremost, let me tell you that it's absolutely not you. It could be just maybe you've never had a boutique before. I actually have made this number up and I'm going to stick with it. (laughs) But I think that around 95% of women who open boutiques have never worked or run a retail store or a retail business at all. I'm going to let that sit. Okay. I think it's about 95%. And I worry because I know how much women who start boutiques absolutely love boutiques. The problem becomes that after you start it, you have to keep running it. And that's the hard part. Macy's is closing stores. There's been a lot of retailers closing stores. Why? Because they're too big. I don't believe the American woman is excited to shop in big stores anymore. They're just not excited about it. It's too much digging. It's too much work. So this is where boutiques can succeed. This is where you have the unique selling proposition, the the competitive advantage over any other store. So let me give you my top three tips here, okay? Tip number one, focus on your customer. Focus on your customer. So my first question is, do you know who your customer is? Do you know who the customer is? If you don't know who your customer is, then I need you to take some time and get to the bottom of who your customer really is. Who is she or he? How old are they? Be specific and focus on them. Focus 110% on them. And if you don't quite know who they are, do some surveys. Figure out who they are. The retailer that I was talking about that has completely shifted their, their retail store is Abercrombie & Fitch. Now, I worked for Abercrombie & Fitch 
probably 12 years ago, 11 or 12 years ago now. And at that point, the Abercrombie & Fitch main store had about 300 plus stores. I don't know the exact number. I worked for the kids store. I was the merchant for accessories in Abercrombie Kids. And we had 167 stores just for kids. Crazy, right? So Abercrombie & Fitch just came out today. They did they called Women's Wear Daily and got their press about the new prototype store that they opened in the Polaris Mall, right? But they have just completely renovated their entire store because they realized they weren't targeting their ideal customer. The customer that they want, that they kind of had been flirting with but not really paying attention to what she wants and he wants is a, I think they said a 20 to 29 year old. And what they realize is that that woman, that man, they want to shop in a boutique setting. Did you hear me? A boutique setting. A major retailer is working on changing their stores to look more like boutiques. So listen, if you tell me that boutiques are dead, the idea of boutiques are dead in our country, I will tell you flat out you are wrong. Okay, the reason boutiques fail is because the people who own the boutiques don't know what they're doing. And that's not being rude, that's me saying like, you have no idea. Having a little bit for everyone doesn't get you anywhere. So there's this term in consulting and coaching, the riches are in the niches or something like that they say. And I'm gonna say that to you as well in boutique land. The niches, <laughs> the riches are in the niches. So by focusing on one customer and knowing her so well that you can read her mind and you can bring items in as she wants them before she even knows that she wants them, that right there is going to get you way ahead of the curve, okay? Knowing who your customer is. They are very specific on who their customer is. They know exactly who she is. And even though she might not totally be shopping there yet. What they've done is they've gone ahead and they've done a ton of research and they've completely redesigned their store to be more aesthetically pleasing. So one of the things they did is they actually, you know how Abercrombie, and this was after I left, but they closed all the windows. They put like the shutters on all the windows. So it was like this exclusive experience. Well, guess what? They learned that people don't like that. <laughs> they learned that it was too exclusive and that that wasn't working for their ideal customer. So what they did is they opened up all the front windows and now they can have beautiful visual displays showing off mannequins and showing off outfits. It's going to be an outfit driven store. Okay. One of the things I always learned in my own boutiques was that we're the experts on dressing. If you own a boutique, you're the expert on putting an outfit together. Right? Sometimes you might even call yourself a stylist, but you love clothes, you love jewelry, you are really good at putting that all together. And the average woman is not. So by having amazing mannequins and by doing flat lays that look great and by showing women these outfits, you're going to get them not only to buy more from you because they're seeing the whole outfit, but you're also educating them on how they can look great. And that's what women really want when they come shopping, right? So knowing your ideal customer is so important. How much more can you get to know her? That's my challenge to you on this first tip is how much more can you get to know your ideal customer? Some of the ways I'll give you as examples are sending out surveys. 
sending out style surveys via email. You know, that's a really easy thing to do. When you see some styles coming down the pike, let's say for spring, and maybe you're having trouble deciding what you think she's gonna like, you know, send a survey out. You can do a 10 question survey on SurveyMonkey for free. You can send that link out. You can do a Google form survey. You can send that out to your entire email list. You could post that on your Facebook if you feel like your Facebook has a good, active, engaged community. Um, those are really easy ways to get to know her better, right? So I challenge you to get to know her better. Knowing who your ideal customer is is probably the most important thing in having a boutique. Second, why boutiques are failing. If you know me, you know that I talk about margin incessantly, incessantly. There's a joke going around the, the mobile boutique community that I should have the margin formula <laughs> tattooed on my forehead, okay? It's not gonna happen. I might make some like gold foil ones for when I do speaking for like here or whatever. That'd be kind of fun. However, listen, this is important, so I need you to listen, okay? Everyone out there is gonna tell you to do a two times markup from wholesale to retail, a 2.5, I'm gonna say that's crap. They, want, they unconsciously want you to be out of business. They don't have your best interest at heart, I do. Let me tell you why. There's this thing called maintained margin. A maintained margin is different than what I'm talking about, which is your initial margin. Okay, so there's initial margin, and there's maintained margin. Your initial margin is the difference in percentage between your wholesale and your retail cost. Your wholesale cost, your retail price, okay? That's what I usually talk about, is your initial margin. And why do I fight for your initial margin to be three times, or 65 to 75%, depending on what formula you're using? Why do I do that? Do you know why? I'm gonna tell you, this weekend I started playing with some numbers because I have some women in my six-figure blueprint group. It's my paid 12-week program that will be opening again soon for those of you who are interested. I have some women in there who desperately want to leave their nine to fives. Great, however, they need to know what the numbers look like for them to replace their nine to five income. What I discovered in doing this number calculation, all these numbers, revenue, cost of goods sold, expenses, taxes, uh, working capital, all of it. When I did these numbers, it's very clear to me that what I say about having an initial margin percentage at a 65, 75% is so important because if you dip below a maintained margin of 60 or 57, 57 ish, you'll be done. Or you just won't make enough money. Like if you're okay, listen, if you're okay because your financial situation is such that you can just pull out like 20, 30, $1,000 a year from your store for your personal income, cool. I'm not talking to you. 
I'm talking to the women who want to make 50, 60, 70, $100,000 a year in personal income with their boutique. That's a very different situation, okay? And where I find what happens is that because women aren't bringing in their initial margin high enough, after they mark down, after they have sales, after they basically put their retail price closer to their cost, their maintained margin ends up being like a 40 or a 30. And on a 30 or a 40, do you know how much you have to sell? You have to sell like $500,000 worth of sales in a year at a 40% margin to end up even pulling out like maybe $50,000, okay? So it's not about, (laughs) the reason I talk about initial margin is because I care so much about the maintained margin, which is at the end of the season, after the sales, after the markdowns, after the buy one, get ones, that maintained margin needs to still be high. It needs to still be above 50. It needs to be above 55. And if you need help understanding what a maintained margin is, please stay on this page. You have a lot to learn. So that's the second, that's the huge second factor I see why boutiques are failing, is because their margins suck, period, end of sentence. You're not planning for markdowns, you're not planning for sales, and the boutiques that are successful are the ones that demand their initial margin to be 60, 65, 70, 75 to 80. You can dig an 80 margin on something. If, it's, if it works, why the hell not, okay? This is so important because here's the deal. If you bring something in at an 80, you can mark it down 30%. You can mark it 50% off. You're not going to kill yourself, okay? So margins, 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 margins. I can't literally say it enough. Okay, so the third factor. Let me just review the one and two. One is focus on your customer. Know who she is or he is, please. Know her intimately. Name her. Be able to walk into a crowd and point her out, okay? Two, margins. I know I talk about margins all the time, but it, when I see the math, when I literally like see the math of margins, it just keeps reinforcing it. The universe keeps showing me this. And so I need to keep telling you this, okay? I'm actually getting on a VIP mastermind call tomorrow with another coach to talk about margins and markdowns because that's what I like to talk about, apparently. Awesome. Okay, I'm going to be the margin lady. So your, your initial margin needs to be high so that your maintained margin, where you come in at the end of the season, the end of the year, is also high. Got it? Got it. Okay. Number three. And this goes back to what I was talking about, about Abercrombie and Fitch. They realized that their in-store experience was not addressing their ideal customer. So I'm going ch- to turn that around and I'm going to challenge you. How is your in-store experience working with your ideal customer? How is it addressing him or her? How do they feel comfortable in that situation? 
I had a coloring table near the dressing room in my brick and mortar store because I knew that was going to keep those kids busy and I didn't have to play with them as much. Like I would obviously play with them, but it's so much easier when a kid has something to do for their mom to feel like they can look around, right? So maybe that's the situation for you. How can you make your in-store experience better? So in this article I read about Abercrombie & Fitch, they made their dressing rooms better. They have more space in the dressing rooms for people to sit down outside, um, for friends and family members to sit down and give their opinions, right? They found out that's what this 20 to 29-year-old customer wanted. They want their friends and family's opinions. And I can tell you from my own experience in having truck parties, private parties were like my favorite in the fashion truck because I didn't have to sell anything. <laughs> it was the easiest thing ever because what happened is all the woman's friends were there, right? It was like a whole girl gang at this private party and they would all just sell to each other. They'd all pulse, oh, cute, so cute. Oh, love it, hate it. Oh, perfect for you. Oh, great for that wedding you have. I just stood there. <laughs> like nine out of 10 parties, I just stood there and like, looked for extra things or cleaned up. Like it wasn't, I didn't really have to do anything because the age group of, I think, most women, I would say most women enjoy having their friends and family there. So Abercrombie and Fitch created space for that to occur. They put two different lights in their dressing room so you can change the lights, right? You, so you can see daylight. You can see, like, I don't know where the other one is, but daylight and something else. They added um, a phone charger in there. Great idea, right? You're running out of battery. You're not going to stay in the dressing room long. You're worried about your battery. So they put phone chargers in there. Brilliant. Brilliant. So what are these details in your in-store experience that you can do that will make your customer stay longer, will make him or her feel more comfortable, will keep her kids occupied, what can you do? The three things that separate a failing boutique from a successful one. And let me tell you, my position on boutiques today in the United States is that they should and can be thriving. Thriving. There is so much evidence and I have so much feeling in my heart that boutiques are not going away anytime soon. Brick and mortar, whether they're mobile, whether they're e-commerce, they all have a place in our retail landscape right now. So please, 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 if you're not successful right now, whatever success means to you, again, that's sort of a weird place too for me. Whatever successful means to you, if you're not there yet, let me know why, let me know how I can help, okay? So, the three things, number one, is focus, focus on your ideal customer. If you don't know her, she doesn't know you, period. Just like on the road. You know, the buses and the, the truck drivers, they say, if you can't see my mirrors, I can't see you, right? Turn your mirror, be able to see her, understand her, speak her language, and constantly be looking for new ones of her. Does that make sense? So. Cherish the customers that you have. Treat them like gold, like Girl Scout gold style. Treat them like gold and constantly be looking for 
that untapped market where she exists, but you haven't found her yet or she hasn't heard about you yet because I guarantee that's happening. Two is please, please stick to a three times wholesale or a 65 to 75% initial margin. In my book, I talk, I have a whole chapter about this because I feel it's very important. And I feel it's very important and I know it's very important because I've done the numbers, I've run the numbers and I'm analyzing this as we speak. Your maintained margin needs to stay above a 55, above a 50, if you're gonna be successful financially, okay? And then third is have that in-store experience touch all the senses, right? How can you cater the in-store experience to that ideal customer so that all of her senses are touched and that she feels so welcome that she doesn't wanna go home? <laughs> How can you make it smell good? What kind of music does she want to hear? What is it? Is it bright? Is it dark? What, visually, what does it look like? Is she more excited about colors and more about black and white? Is she more into jewelry or is she more into scarves? That's all going to go into your visual merchandising of the store. Customers, margins, in-store experience. Thank you so much for joining me. Here's to making lots of friends and making lots of money. Did you love this episode as much as I did? Head over to iTunes and rate and review the Boost Your Boutique podcast so more amazing and creative boutique owners like you can find out about it. And don't forget, head over to BoostYourBoutique.com to learn more.